Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today, I sit down with Charlize Theron. The Oscar winner stars as Megyn Kelly in Bombshell, the Jay Roach-directed drama about the fall of late Fox News boss Roger Ailes after he was accused multiple times of sexual harassment and misconduct. Charlize reveals why she was scared and hesitant about playing the controversial news host. Plus, she recalls the time a director came on to her during a business meeting and what happened when she confronted him eight years after the incident. I'll have that and a whole lot more after the break. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Jess Hilarious, and I'm just making sure y'all know that I got a podcast called Carefully Reckless on the Black Effect Network. I'm going to be telling y'all all my business and telling y'all other people's business, too. It ain't no limits to the things I talk about. Y'all know that if y'all know me. From baby mama drama to healthy relationships, from child support to stimulus checks. Look, when you take a step back and you realize that we all go through crazy stuff and we got stories to tell, those situations do not define you. But they do make for a real good conversation. <laughs> In a world where clickbait and cancel culture can tell your story before you do, I'm creating an outlet to remind people that we still human crazy and we can all laugh about it. Don't stress over it. Bring your problems to me. I promise I won't judge you, but I might crack a joke or two. Don't be scared. It'll be respectful and messy at the same time. Just make sure you tune in. Listen to Carefully Reckless every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Now, here's Charlize Theron. Congratulations again on the movie. Thank you. So I was just watching. I watched half of it with my husband. He hadn't seen it. Oh. And when you're on screen, he just literally, his mouth just dropped. Aww. He, he's just like, that's Charlize? Aww, that's he's, sweet. This is, when someone comes to you and says, you should play Megan Kelly, what goes through your head? Uh, <laughs> I question their sanity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, I I read the script more just neutral. Like, is this a story that we would like to get involved in? And, you know, it's, it's a big commitment when you say yes to these movies and you're a small company and mm-hmm. there's limited people. It just, it becomes a lot of work. Right. And... And that was really how I looked at the script. I was like, well, this is a story I really definitely want to be involved in. But yeah, I mean, playing her took a little bit longer. I, I definitely feel like I, I blame Jay for, <laughs> for it in the most beautiful way. I feel like 
I do think that I'm incredibly responsive to filmmakers who I respect and admire. And I just, by pure accident at that moment, was trying to make something else with him. And so I'd been seeing him every single day working on this other project. And oh. and if it wasn't for his response to the script and especially the role of Megyn Kelly in it, and, you know, he had such good reasons for all of the things that I saw as fear, fearsome and like the things that scared me about it, he just, he had such a good, I think, idea of how to handle so much of that stuff that that, that was the thing that kind of like pushed me over the end line and made what me realize. What scared you? I think, I think it was two things. One, that she's just incredibly well known. Mm-hmm. And there is a part of me that I know for myself as a filmmaker, like when you tell these stories that are kind of like ripped out of the headlines, there is an element of it that you want to almost celebrate a little bit, Mm. which means you want people to be able to believe that you're telling that story. And so you have to be able to do enough for people to forget, to not feel like they're watching the actor. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't quite 100% sure if I could do that, if we could get to that place. And then the second thing was that... She wasn't necessarily a person who I, you know, just could throw my arms around. Right. You know, there were a lot of things that I had to kind of separate from my own personal feelings about her. Things that if she has, you know, said in the past that have bothered me, there are things that her, you know, some of the things that she's kind of commented on um, in the past that definitely that have, that have bothered me. Right. And the more I realized that Jay was going to celebrate those things, or not celebrate them, but be truthful about those things, the more I realized, okay, I wasn't going to be part of something that was going to whitewash something. Right. And right. that part of a person or, or studying a person and getting inside of a person, if you can do it with thorns and all, mm-hmm. then that's interesting. That's really right. interesting. I mean, as an actor, you want somebody that's conflicting like that mm-hmm. and can kind of rub you the wrong way. So there, the, it was just challenging right from the top. Because even as an audience member, we're watching it. As soon as we see you on screen, you know, I don't know that many people who are on that side of the political aisle of Fox News. So I don't know what they're thinking, but I know you get on screen as Megyn Kelly and there's an automatic like, oh, where yeah. is this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... Then, like you said, well, first of all, you're just so convincing as her, but also just you start seeing the warts and all. And that's what's great about this movie, that it's not just a clear shot of like, okay, these men does this, these women are victims, boom, done, black and white. It's really complicated complicated and messy. Yeah. It's a lot of things that I think can be very polarizing to a lot Mm -hmm. of people. So if you watch Fox and that's, you know, your, where you get your, that's your news source, then I think there is, you're going to maybe be suspicious about Mm -hmm. how we handle her. And then I think on the other side, you're going to be like, well, maybe they're just trying to like, fool us into an emotional story that we know doesn't exist because she is abrasive and she right. is, she does say things. So we knew we knew the story this this story would have those things kind of going against it. Mm-hmm. And a really good friend of mine who works in the industry said the gave me the best advice. He said just strap on your flak jacket and lean into it. Right. And it really was something that I had to hear because I think sometimes as a producer even you can get a little bit caught up in pleasing an audience. Right. 
And as an actor, I don't tend to do that. But as a producer, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want people to go and see this. <laughs> you have to trust that people are moved when you tell them something that feels like it's reflective, mm -hmm. which means that emotional stories or stories that move us or are disturbing are not necessarily told by through easy characters right. and that, that that doesn't take the power away from the story it almost just makes the story more powerful because mm. if it can happen to somebody like that then of course it can happen to you right so did you go so I interviewed uh, Margot and she told me that she went down sort of a rabbit hole on Twitter yeah. of like conservative young women to sort of millennials millennials yeah. to figure that out. And one of the things she said, which I found really interesting, because you know, you look at it, we should have a lot in common. And then she said, I think they're in a completely different reality. Did you do that? Did you go on social media to see how they think? Did you watch a lot of Fox News? You know, I used to. I, I watch Fox every once in a while because I, for me, it's helpful to hear <laughs> what the other side is thinking. Um, and I'm just, I'm always intrigued, right? So there's like an issue at hand. Like I always kind of like flip through several news sources to kind of like see the perspective mm -hmm. because it's interesting to me. I, I'm not one of those people who just want to hear what I believe. I, I, I mm. it doesn't change. I mean, it just it makes for my thinking to be more complicated, and mm. sometimes it clears up maybe a perspective that I just cannot wrap my head around right. to hear what the argument is. I ended up watching a little bit more of Fox News while I was making this, um, and obviously went into her archives mm -hmm. and watched a lot of the Kelly file and and things like that. Um, and it was really helpful for the speech. I mean, the more I could just listen to her, right. the more I kind of like got her her cadence and her speech patterns and like how she announced and and um, you know there was a lot in her the way she sounds that I actually found to be the end to her vulnerability and to like her emotional story. There was mm. something that she would do with her speech that to me after a while became really clear. They were clear signs of somebody either going through distress or, or actually mm. feeling vulnerable. Cause one thing that I keep saying to people is I didn't know Megan Kelly had a distinctive voice oh, really? until I heard Charlize. Do her voice. Wow. Well, yeah. I, you know what? I get it because I didn't really think that either until I started watching all the footage and then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm <laughs> never going to sound like that. That is so specific. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't like a slight little, you know, East Coast. Right. It, it was it's so specific. It's like it's it's like a creation. Mm hmm. And in a weird way, she talks about it in her book that it was. It was something that kind of came from a lot of advice that Ailes gave her mm. of that she did speak too fast, that he tried to slow her down. And then she went uh, like she went to the other side of the extreme, <laughs> like she would really slow down on words. But even and when like, you just said, really, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just like we were looping up until literally like five weeks, six weeks ago. Like, and I was really stressed out about it because I said to Jay, I don't, this is going to be really hard because I haven't done this in right. so long. And it was a little scary how quickly I got back into it. I was like, oh God, this, this is still very much alive in me. But she definitely, 
she, yeah, the sound was very specific. And I'm so lucky that I, I get to work with this incredible woman, Carla Meyer, here mm-hmm. in L.A. And she is a huge part of like kind of understanding a character. It's not just sound. It's not just mimicking. It's really like working from understanding why the person sounds the mm-hmm. way that they do. And it's a really long and tedious process that feels it, is like it's just never... like repeating the same words. No, over and no. Over? So that's why it's not mimicking. So it starts off with listening to the sounds and then trying to make a connection to why the sound is there. Mm. So understanding the person, the lawyer, the journalist, the woman who got this advice, who then took that advice and did this with it. But every once in a while, when she gets defensive, this is what she sounds like. Mm. And so you try and find those specific moments where she's defensive about something. What does she sound when she gets defensive? What does she sound when she's just announcing a story? And it's much slower. It's more underlined. But then as soon as she gets to the good part, she can't help herself and she starts talking so fast. (laughs) Like, you know, it's things like that. So it's not mimicking. It's not just, I mean, for sure, the Republican debates, there's a version of like, yes, there's a melody there. It's so specific. And we definitely try to get that as close to the, the real thing. But when she's just having scenes that you can't watch and mimic, you have to be able to understand kind of like why those sounds are happening. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a sound to me is almost one of the scariest things because I feel like it's super effective when you get mm-hmm. it right, but it for a long time feels like you're never going to get there. And I would say like for the first like nine weeks, there was nothing to hang a coat on. Wow. I mean, it was like I was getting very. And then one day it just Click. it just happened. Yeah. We're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, Charlize opens up about her early days in Hollywood and the time a director came on to her during a business meeting. Ever thought you'd make a great switchboard operator or seltzer man or professional royal mistress? If old-timey jobs are your jam, we've got a podcast just for you. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm Matt Beat, and we host the new podcast, Job Salite, taking a look at jobs that used to be a thing and now... Not so much. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. But don't take our word for it. Find Jobsolete on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of Charlize Theron. So obviously, you know, this this is a big story within the Me Too, Time's Up era. Like you said, you know, people have their opinions about Megyn Kelly. They have their opinions about Fox News. So why tell this story and not... We know a lot of other women in, you know, the public sphere yeah. who have their stories to tell. So, so you know, Charles wrote the script before Harvey Weinstein, but it was pre-Harvey Weinstein. And by the time I got it, it was just kind of breaking. It was really kind of brand new. And, and wow. the only other story that was kind of like broken at that time that feels a little different um, because it didn't have that kind of like big institution behind Mm -hmm. it was the Bill Cosby story that was kind of unfolding and was unfolding like maybe a year and a half before. But this was really pre Me Too, pre any of where we are today. And so I guess why? Because those stories weren't Weren't out yet. But I think Charles was fascinated. Charles Randolph, the writer, was really fascinated about... um, the story 
kind of in its own silo. Mm -hmm. But I think he knew. I think we all were very aware that there was something in the climate. Like people were talking about a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily out yet. But but it was people were talking. And I think none of us could predict how big it was going to be. And so for us, it was just like, this is such an interesting thing that happened at this one place, right? Little did we know the wildfire that would come Mm. afterwards. And that is the one thing that you can just never, ever predict, right? We just got really lucky that in a weird way, we we got the origin story of a a story that wasn't Mm. even told yet. So, you know, if nothing happened after this and we were and that was the only thing that happened, I don't know how impactful this movie would be. I think it's as impactful as it is. It connects emotionally with so many people because it is an example. It is it is it is a moment that has now repeated itself so many times and it's not going to go away. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what makes it the timing of it makes it so powerful. Let's talk about the Margot scene with Roger Ailes. Well, with John Lithgow, Roger Ailes. Yeah. It's it's just, I find it fascinating how Jay just makes the audience sit there and feel it. Yeah. And you, you heard the gasps in there because when Roger Ailes is telling him to lift the skirt a little bit more, I feel like a lot of movies would sort of fade to black or yeah. sort of just cut to maybe her at her desk. Yeah. And he makes us sit there with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I mean, the thing that I loved about it was that I think in our heads, we want to tell ourselves that the worst thing that could happen is an actual physical assault. Mm. And that we have not necessarily given the right amount of damage and destruction that that power play what what that can do to a woman. He doesn't rape her. He doesn't penetrate her. He doesn't force himself on her. He makes her stand in front of him and he belittles her one sentence after another. Right. And he makes her do something that should be so innocent. If you think about it, she's in her underwear. It's what you would wear on a beach. It's that it's it's being asked of her in that space that makes it so inappropriate Mm. and the the fact that people are so disturbed by it is to me says so much about us finally getting across to people that the variance of abuse Mm. and harassment is not black and white it is on so many different levels it is the consistency of somebody constantly telling you to sexualize yourself or to and and to not take it seriously it's a joke or it's like making light out of it and what that does to a person day after day week after week month after year after year how we normalize those things is maybe why we've been in this situation for as long as we have. Mm. Why people like Roger Ailes think that they can get away with it, that that somehow they're entitled to that behavior. Harvey Weinstein, all of the men, Matt Lauer, Charlie. I mean, there is an entitlement of a behavior that has been accepted for so many years. And that's, to me, what's really powerful about it. It's not that it is like what we would imagine is the worst thing of physical assault. Right. It is the, you are nothing right now, and what I say goes. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you lose everything. Right. 
that to me is the thing that we don't talk enough about. I know so many women, and there's not a woman I don't know over 40 who not who who didn't go through an experience or m- more than just an experience, a period in her life when she was like coming up in her career where she wasn't asked to placate, to sit in a room, to laugh at her boss's jokes, to make them feel good about themselves, to to make them f- to feel like to to prove to them that you're going to be great a great little soldier that you're gonna that they should bet on you they should invest on you those things are damaging they're Mm -hmm. really damaging and they shouldn't exist and it is something that we need to remove from our acceptance as a as like a culture as a society do you remember coming to hollywood and being in those situations where you're like this isn't right this isn't this is just not kosher and then take it even further coming to this day. Yeah, I mean this movie has definitely like, you know, conjured up a lot of things that I would rather just forget about for mm-hmm. sure. And and I think, you know, again, none of them were like physical assaults or rape or anything like that, but moments where I feel like that what I was valued as in the room was was as nothing more than eye candy or um being the thing that I've I was asked to be in the room right. and you know I've had a moment in my career where just something did get physical and was very inappropriate but again it was the kind of behavior that you hear from other actors as something that is just always been talked about is like well that's it's like really and like and it's just the way they are it's just yes don't take it so seriously like right. it, um those things are definitely things that I remember would eat at me Hmm. because I think for me, the most, the hardest thing to wrap my head around was that I was never raised to behave that way. I was always raised. And I think of myself as somebody who, you know, and I do every day in my life and my work as a, like I can stand up for shit. I, I am not scared to say what I feel and say what I think and to, you know, Demand mm. what I think is the right thing to do for what my job is, whether it's I'm a producer or as an actor. But there are moments where you get so frozen, and I've definitely been in those mm. moments where you're so frozen from the shock of what's happened to you. And this has only happened to me a few times, but where you, there is, you leave the room and you hate yourself. And you beat yourself up for not saying Which something. That's the, for not, that's the sick cycle. Like, yeah, you put it on yourself. yourself. And I was I was lucky enough in one situation that it took eight years, but I found myself in the room with this person. And it, to me, felt like a full circle moment. But unfortunately, he didn't remember the moment. And so, you know, so you confronted him about oh, it. Oh, I confronted yeah. it. And it took eight <laughs> years to be in that room with that person again. And he didn't remember it. And ultimately, I'll be truthful. It wasn't as satisfying as I always thought in my head it would be. Mm. But I think the hardest the hardest thing is kind of just finding that resolve. Like, why would I do it in the first place? Like, why would I allow? And I think that's the thing that eats women up. Mm-hmm. This constant questioning that we have in the end of the movie. Right. We all This thing about harassment is that you're always questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. What did I say? What did I wear? What did I do? And it has nothing to do with you. No. But yet we still put it on ourselves. And I know that feeling really well. Do you think the, the culture's changing? 
but I feel like there's even a point now where it's like, now you hear like, oh, I made that joke. Oh, too yeah. soon. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's... Yeah. A, a, do you know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, we're, we're in a state of overcorrection right now right. where we were really overcorrecting and watching <laughs> our, you know, crossing our T's and dotting yeah. our I's and to the point where it's not enjoyable. Mm. But I do think that it's maybe a good kind of re-education for us where we can get to a place where we can do the things that we feel is part of human behavior to be cute or funny or dry or dark. Like we can get to that place where it doesn't cross the line. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I agree with you. Like I find myself in those situations too, where I go, like the other day I, I touched a woman and I was like, just, I was like, what, what? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just touched your face. And that's not, and then I'm like, but that's so innocent. But we are in a place now where we have to kind of overcorrect a little right. bit. And I know I'm doing it for myself too. And mm -hmm. it's, yeah, of course it's not enjoyable. Like we all want to live in a world where we can be our full selves. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that we can get there un until we actually really get into it. It's like you have to get in, into the deep, dark ugliness right. and the uncomfortableness of that before we can kind of get out on the other side of it. And I, I don't think that that can't happen. Did you ever think we'd be talking about this? Honestly, no. Because was it even was it even a thought like okay one day this will be corrected? No, I right? thought I what I've experienced in my career is the concept that sexual harassment is like a it's like it's like period storytelling. Like mm -hmm. this was something that happened way back in the olden days, right. and there were a few landmark cases, and we have now dealt with this this shit doesn't happen anymore and nobody i think wanted to acknowledge that it was still very much alive mm -hmm. if not even healthier than it was back then and i think more dangerous than it was back then i think back then it was more black and white it was almost like blatant in your face you know <laughs> and i think now it's become more dangerous because it lives in this gray zone right, right. of like no i'm not raping you well ah, fuck that whoa. doesn't make it okay either you know so Oof. No, I honestly, I, I remember saying to myself, whenever like a story would pop up, like every once in a while something would pop up and it would be around for like three months and everybody would be talking about it. And three months later, that person was back working. Like there was just no consequences yeah. and nobody could even remember it. Like that's mm -hmm. how I felt like these things were just always going to be dealt I mean, with. Uh, listen, through, I've been in celebrity journalism for what, 25 years yeah, and you know, from day one, the Harvey Weinstein stories were there. Mm -hmm. We heard them, and I yeah. had I had you know mentors. I had yeah. I had other journalists who wanted to prove it, who wanted to prove it, and we all heard it. And that's what's so frightening is that we everyone knew the stories, but it was never completely clear, or it was dismissed, and or Harvey was just too powerful. Yeah. yeah. The interesting thing about the person I was talking about, and I have like no desire to bring him up anymore because I, I, I am really over it. But I will say this. It wasn't until the Harvey story broke that I actually Googled this guy because I remembered that I had always talked about it very openly and that I never try to protect him whenever somebody said to me have you ever had a casting couch experience i would just tell that story and right. i would use his name and when i googled it the story was out there hmm. but nobody ever printed his name hmm. and i know that i had said his name in several interviews 
And you, right. I couldn't find his name in any of the articles. It was like every journalist decided to tell the story, but because he was a prominent director, right. nobody wrote his name down. This was a guy that had big movies coming out. Yeah. And, it, you know, you have news outlets who want to be at his next big action film. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And now you're producing and now you're going to you're a mogul. Yeah, but, and I feel and like can... it's changing. I feel like now there is more... I think women feel better about it because there are clear consequences now right. at a level that we've never seen before. Never. And yeah, some of that, I think, scares a lot of people because now it's like, oh shit, Like anybody can say anything. And it's like... Yes, it's we don't want that either. And some we will have a few bad apples. Yep. But let's just think about it for a second. The majority of these women are not lying. No. And and we haven't had all success stories, you know? We've had we've had examples of like great successes where things are seen, been seen through and there's been great consequences and it's been dealt with in in a, in, a, in a matter that feels like there's been some justice, but there's also been some times with, you know, the Kavanaugh hearings where I feel like that was like a prime example of where I was like this is where we slip back. Like this mm. happens and and we start not believing women, this is where it becomes incredibly problematic. Are you hopeful for 2020? I'm always hopeful. I have two small children. I have to be hopeful for them. Like I, I refuse to believe that I cannot do somehow be active in, in making it better or, or, or believing that the world will somehow fucking figure it out and make itself better. Yes. I'm worried Yes, I'm very worried. And the complacency that I th used to have with elections mm. have now disappeared. I think, you know, there was a time where I felt very complacent that the right guy was going to win. And that's definitely gone for me now. And I feel like now I, I'm much more aware of the loopholes and the things that can like you have to really be aware, know what's going on and really try to engage your community and engage in the yeah. places in the pockets where you know the those things can really change things. I I don't sit back anymore and kind of just like think the right thing's gonna happen. And now just the last fun question. What's the one movie you could watch over and over again that mm. you'll never get bored of? So the one movie that still makes me as happy as the first time I saw it is um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Why? Yeah, it's just a movie that whenever it comes on, it makes me happy. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily know why. I don't question it either. I just love that it still makes me feel that way. And I don't know. I, the jokes never get old. And whenever it's on TV, like I'm just happy. Like I'm like, oh, this movie. It's like a warm blanket and like Forgetting a chocolate Sarah mousse. Marshall, yeah. it's, a warm it's a warm blanket and a chocolate mousse <laughs> with like a cheesecake. I mean, it's just it's so much, but it's so good. And every once in a while, I'm just so happy it's on TV. You're amazing, Charlize, as Aww, always. Oh, you're so you. sweet. Thank you. Thank you. That was Charlize Theron. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. Coming up on the next episode, the farewell director, Lulu Wong, as well as Booksmart star, Beanie Feldstein. See you then. Hey, what's up? It's your man, Carlos Miller. It's your boy, Chico Bain. Hey, and we are of the 85 South Show. Man, we got some of the best guests, bro. We had 2 Chains, Tip Kane, Jay Prince Kane. Yep. Everybody came. Everybody came. But guess what? 
you got to catch up on all the episodes that you missed, like Fabo, Killer Mike, Buster Rhyme. Buster Rhyme? Yeah, he bust a couple rhymes. Listen to the 85 South Show on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.